This weekend was one of contrasting fortunes for Borussia Dortmund and Newcastle. While the Magpies secured a significant, if somewhat controversial, win over Arsenal, the Black and Yellows were pulverised by Harry Kane and Bayern in Der Klassiker, one of the worst team performances in recent Dortmund history. But Dortmund did win at St James's Park, and another victory in front of the famed Yellow Wall on Tuesday would put them right back in contention for a place in the last. 16. I'm Kevin Hatchard and this is Football Only Better. Plenty of Champions League and Europa League action to get through. So let's get right into it. Starting with odds compiler and master of the sustainable edge, Mark Stinchcomb. Stinch, I was in Dortmund on Saturday night for Der Klassica. I was astonished as to how timid and sloppy and at times, frankly, lazy they were in what was their biggest game of the season. It was atrocious. Yeah, I mean, it followed right on the back of that I don't know. I don't know if dreadful performance was right, but they were certainly ordinary away at, at Frankfurt the week before. Um, yeah. And against Newcastle, there weren't anything special, but they perhaps didn't need to be in, in that game. But I think we're all kind of anti, not anti-Dortmund, but anti-Dortmund in terms of they're rated as one of the top four teams in Germany and they're supposed to be challenging for the league. But I think we all know that they're, they're miles away from, from that. There's, they're not going to win the league. Um, but what's hugely disappointing about it is that actually they'd gone into this game with a 25 match unbeaten run at home. They had performed fairly well, you know, in a lot of the home games. Some had been a bit dodgy, but others were okay. But this was borderline a dereliction of duty. I cannot fathom what they were thinking. But is it a true reflection of where they're actually at? I think so. I think so. And, and also, I think it's probably worth noting that, you know, Bayern aren't the well-oiled machine that maybe we would consider them. And that, that's that been probably ever since Tuchel took over, you know, okay, yes, they, they can beat Darmstadt 8-0, but then they can throw in a, a cup defeat against Saarbrücken, uh, yeah. in, even after taking the lead. Uh, against Galatasaray the week before, they're absolutely battered by Galatasaray, and somehow they came out with a three-one win. So this is, and you, you've rightly stated as well. Uh, I think on the on the Champions League preview show at the beginning of the season, you rightly stated that you had concerns about their squad, and I think that's you know it's absolutely correct. You know the fact that they they let Pavard go with no replacement, they messed about with Jao, the Paulinho transfer in yeah, central that's midfield. Too long. Yeah, so I think you're absolutely right. So this, I mean, don't get me wrong, going forward, they obviously got tons and tons of talent and, you know, Harry Kane, what an absolute fantastic player. But I think we we are right to be wary of their squad depth. And, you know, they would, did have some players missing at the weekend, but it, it, it didn't it didn't make it didn't make any difference because, as you say, of this lackadaisical Dortmund performance. They're slight outsiders here, which you can kind of understand, given the fact that Newcastle went off quite strong favourites. I think Newcastle by eight to eleven in in the reverse fixture, so you can quite you can understand why Newcastle are slight favourites here at six to four. I'm 
I'm going for a bit of a, I think it's a bit of a negative bet and I'm a bit concerned because I went for the same bet when Dortmund played away to Frankfurt and I was made to look a right fool and I did call <laughs> it as well. I said I could make myself look very stupid here by backing unders in the Bundesliga game and it finished through. Um, but I, I like this Newcastle side defensively and I think with Newcastle in terms of their lack of options um, off the bench and the fact that we're going this big quick turnaround here you know both teams played Saturday night now both teams are playing Tuesday night and the fact that the the group state is so tight I'm, I'm back in I'm back in unders because um, over two and a half goals is four to six and I, I don't that, that just you know, that says to me, okay, we're going to, we're probably going to see at least three goals. And it feels like a more, it should be more like 50, 50. Um, yeah. I, I think it might be quite tight in KG because of the, the, the group state PSG top on six, Dortmund on four, Newcastle four, Milan on two. Both of these have got to go uh, away. So Dortmund go to Milan after this and Newcastle go to PSG away. So again, I just think this game is crucial. I think, potentially both m might be happy with a point you know it keeps things ticking over I, I don't see either of them maybe going on the front for early doors certainly um well Odin so says it's just quite openly said recently we want to be less sexy more successful so he's talking about trying to be a bit more controlled in games it hasn't worked because the last two games have conceded seven goals but He's at least trying to, or at least in the league they have, he's trying to be more controlled. So that suggests there might be a little bit cagey. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I wouldn't read too much. In, well, I wouldn't read too much into Terzic. I don't think he, I don't think he's good enough to be, to be Dortmund manager. And, you know, a lot of managers will say stuff and the, the proof is actually what, what goes on in the pitch. But I certainly think given the, the hidings defensively the last two games, I certainly think they've got to start very solid like they can't afford at all to be uh, attacking it in any way and I think that will suit um, Newcastle um, as I say I think I think defensively Newcastle just uh, are fantastic really uh, they've only conceded 13 in 16 games and that includes clean sheets against both Arsenal and Milan and both Manchester sides in the League Cup Um as as I say, Dortmund conceded seven in the last two games, two in the opening eight minutes against Bayern, two in the opening 20 against Frankfurt. So I, I do think they really will lock everything down for the first 25 and then and then go from there. I mean, obviously, I'm maybe taking a bit of a leap of faith there. Um, well, they'll try anyway. <laughs> well, At least you know, try. They, they can't do any worse than they did on Saturday, put it that way. Um but, you know, previous to those two games, Dortmund were top five for expected goals against in the Bundesliga. And we know how goal heavy the Bundesliga is. Um, and I, again, I just think Newcastle's injury list plays a part here too. If you look at Saturday against Arsenal, um, offensively, they had no Isaac, Barnes, Anderson, Tonali. And if you look at their bench, it looked very, very weak to me. You only really got sort of things to change offensively in, in sort of Joe Willock and, and Jacob Murphy. So yeah, just, just with the schedule and the game state of the group, I just, I just thought that um, the goal expectancy was a little bit high here. So I'm going to go for under 2.75 goals around about 1.95 on the exchange. So even if we see three goals still get half state back, so it would need four or more for the bet to lose. And yeah, I just, I'm just, 
I'm just thinking that it'll be a cagey game here, but I have to say um, unders has been a difficult one to justify so far this season, but that could be variance. You know, we're, we're only into November, so uh, playing the price, but uh, a bit nervous. <laughs> Well, we're going to come back to that group in a little while. Marco has been cleaning the screens and firing up the giant ratings machine in the Bet Cave. Mark, you want to take a look at Manchester United's critically important trip to Copenhagen. United seem to be specialising in deeply unconvincing wins at the moment <laughs> where they're rubbish, but they seem to win 1-0 a lot. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um very difficult to kind of trust them um, or have confidence in backing them uh, in any match so far this season, especially when the odds on favourites away from home. Uh, I think anybody who saw on match day two Bayern Munich Labour to a 2-1 win uh, away at FC Copenhagen will know this is not going to be easy. The same as anyone who saw the match day three match between these two teams at Old Trafford and United stumbled to that 1-0 win over Copenhagen will also know this is not going to be easy. So uh, I think, yeah, if, if anyone's seen United play at all, I'll <laughs> know this is very difficult to trust them at all. Um, yeah, Ten Hag has got a pretty impressive record actually in, in these kind of fixtures when United are expected to win and they're priced up as odds on favourites on their travels as well. Um, but this season, things have just been so desperately poor. Um, the eye test will tell you that as, as much as the data. It, it's so difficult to, to kind of see them as a, a viable option here at, at odds on. Um, for me, you just got to lay them or you have to oppose them at the prices. And that's what I'm doing here. I'm going to back Copenhagen plus half a goal on the Asian handicap at odds against. They had 16 shots at Old Trafford. Um, obviously had the penalty saved in stoppage time as well. They hit the woodwork and they deserve something out of that match. Um, it was a very similar story against Bayern Munich in, in Denmark as well. They did lose a shot around 15-11. They played really well. Uh, but the XG figures were basically even. Um, they had nine shots in the box against Bayern Munich. So if they can repeat that feat here against uh, Manchester United, an inferior side, there's there's every chance we get a bit of an upset. So, you know, despite that weekend win against Fulham, a, a game that looked to be heading for a, another sort of lacklustre nil-nil draw um, from quite early on, really, after the, the disallowed goal. Uh, United were unconvincing. They gave up 18 shots at Craven Cottage. You had Maguire and Evans starting at centre-half again. Uh, the issue of Maguire and his head injury, obviously, um, quite rightfully being uh, kind of called out. Uh, Dallow's starting at left-back as well, despite being all over the place defensively in the last few weeks. You know, it's questionable what Anthony is offering at the minute. Hoyland's barely getting any service whatsoever. Then you've got Rashford, who, whether he's injured or disciplined from the weekend, who knows really, but he's certainly not being himself this season. It's very difficult to kind of look at this United side and say, well, that's an area of strength right now. Um, even the goal they scored was had an element of fortune about it, with Fulham failing to sort of clear their lines and, and Leno perhaps potentially doing better um, than he did. Um, so, yeah, you're right, Kev. You know, if you look at United's wins this season, you can pick holes in every single one of them. Um, Brentford, Wolves, Forest, Sheffield United, Burnley and Copenhagen are the teams they've beaten. They rescued the wins in stroppage time against uh, Brentford and Forest. They were second best. Uh, unfortunate not to concede a late penalty against Wolves. They saved the penalty against Copenhagen late on. Bruno scores a stunner at Burnley. And then the late goal required at Sheffield United as well. They've been utterly unconvincing. So quite happy to have Copenhagen plus half a goal on side. Odds against uh, it's 2.06 on the exchange. Very dear tipster and long-suffering United fan, Emmett O'Keefe, also with us. He was nodding furiously all the way through that. Emmett, we talk about process on this show a fair bit. United's process does not look up to scratch at all at the moment. No, it's terrible, really. Um, I've, yeah, I've, Mark's, Mark's made a, made the very strong case. So I won't just repeat he said, but I would, I would agree with it. I would agree with everything he said. Um, like United are just a bad team at the moment. They're 11th in the Premier League on expected points behind Everton. 
in their wins over Burnley, Sheffield United and Fulham. They lost the expected goals bats in two of those games and barely won it against Sheffield United. These are the worst teams in the Premier League. Like and I, from what we as as Mark said, what we've seen from Copenhagen, I don't think I don't I think Copenhagen are a level above the likes of Burnley, Sheffield United and Fulham. And just from a price point of view, I know some of this might have been because of the Rashford injury. You know, they were over 2.4 in the exchange um, away to Fulham. But they're, and now they're 188 away here against probably a better team. That doesn't that doesn't really add up to me. I I kind of I I yeah I I, I, I think a couple of Hagen look 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 really strong value. I think well, like, their home record in the Champions League of late is pretty good, right? I mean, I yeah. know they lost uh, <clears throat> Bayern, but they've held Man City, I think, recently. They've they've had some really good results at home. Yeah, and like as in, I was just looking at some of the underlying numbers from that Bayern game. They held Bayern Munich to 0.8 expected goals. Like not many teams are going to do that this this season. Like I think with if you've Musiala, Kane, Sanex, Sanex, etc. Like so, I think it's I think that, 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 that that's really impressive. Like if you're backing, like my only reluctance to back to back them is just because I usually don't bet on my United matches because I'm too usually emotionally invested to be 100% rational. I'm usually even more reluctant to kind of bet against them as it makes for kind of quite a conflicted and unpleasant kind of match viewing experience. I know. It's emotional hedging though, right? If you, yeah, well, if you United Kev, lose, you win. You see, Kev, you're one of a sunnier disposition than me. Those of a sunnier disposition might say you can't lose. United win, at least you have that positive. And if they lose a draw, at least you make money out of it. But those of a, of a more pessimistic <laughs> nature might say the opposite and you can't fully win either way. But um, I'll, I'll leave it up to the listeners to decide which of those dispositions a philosophical question, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, but I, I think there's a, I think just a... From a price point of view, the, the case for Copenhagen is overwhelming double chance. And if you're backing them, I'd back them probably straight win as well. I think there's, I think it's a high possibility that United give a kind of a, well, we want to get the manager sack performance and lose maybe by a couple of goals here. I think that's the, 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 that's definitely possible. And for, so I'd back them double chance, but have a small bet at 4.4 on the straight win as well. Stinch always says this. He said that in our how-to video, uh, which you can still see, by the way, uh, on our YouTube channel. If you've got an idea about a game, don't be afraid to throw everything at it. So if you're going to go double chance, maybe chuck in the home win, maybe see any way that you can get on the Copenhagen train. Uh, Injury time goals, as we know, could be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bet. So now you've got 90-minute payouts to rescue you if the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right results. As it stands, your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus begambleaware.org. Elsewhere in United's group, Bayern take on Galatasaray. Bayern, I would say, gave their best performance under Thomas Tuchel in De Classica at the weekend. It was probably the first time they've put in a 90-minute performance under Tuchel, I would say. However, Emmett, Galatasaray gave them all sorts of problems in the reverse fixture. My gut feeling is that's going to actually play into Bayern's hands a bit because Galatasaray are just going to go hell for leather, probably try and press them, try and get all of their attacking players in the mix and Bayern are just going to pick them off. Definitely. When I was thinking about this game, I was kind of... I was thinking. I was thinking like the definitely kind of a kind of a tennis score is in the range of outcomes here. Whereas you said it's kind of a six, maybe a six-two, or that that that, that yeah. type of game is very possible. Given given the kind of style of play of both sides, as you said, they're like Bayern really proved me wrong away to Dortmund. I, I kind of I fancy Dortmund at least get a result, but as you said, it was it was kind of Bayern's clearly their best performance this season with Harry Kane scoring a superb Patrick. However, even that game, they gave up one and a half expected goals. I think they were quite quite fortunate to keep a clean sheet. 
and I think Galatasaray can at least find the net once here to kind of for for for, for Michael a tip here. As you said, in, in Istanbul, they racked up against Bayern 20 shots, 2.4 expected goals, and they just they have a legitimate Champions League attack with the Cardi, Zaha, Ziyech in the front three. And, and it's a player I've liked when I watched this season, I didn't know much about. Um, Kerem Akhtarkoglu was quite a talented player. Oh, he's player a lovely player. Lovely yeah, player. And he's kind of, he, he kind of knits together and, and plays that kind of link to midfield. And maybe they have a few solos in the front threes. They kind of need a bit of a link man there. And so I think he plays kind of an important role for them as well. Um, they scored three goals all traffic. Right? They're just they're just a potent attack. And if you just look at both these sides this season, Bayern matches in the Bundesliga are averaging four point five goals per game. Both sides are averaging over four goals per match in, in in their Champions League matches so far. I think all signs point to a really high scoring game. And the way I'd play it here in the bet builder would be both teams to score and over 3.5 goals at odds against on the kind of bet first sports book. But again, as I said, I wouldn't put anyone off if you're th- throwing a few quid on a few kind of funky cracked scores. I think this could be a really, really high scoring game. And, and definitely, and if you're looking for if you're looking for goals a lot of Champions League midweek, this is this is the game I'd look at. Let's go back to the group we started with. We start with Newcastle away at Dortmund. The other game in that group, Paris Saint-Germain against Milan. Stinch Paris, the better team by quite a massive difference, I thought, in the in the first game. It's been interesting with Paris because in the first couple of home games they've had in the group stage, they've looked really balanced. They've played this 4-2-3-1. It's kind of worked. They've, they've looked much, much better. For some reason, he got the six shooters out when he went to St. James's Park, thought he could play this kind of Harlem Globetrotters formation and got picked off. So he surely won't do that again. At San Siro, you wouldn't have thought. Um, I don't know because obviously it was a bit early. It was earlier in Enrique's tenure. Now he's been there a bit of a while and they seem to have got into quite a nice groove. They've won yeah. five in a row and they've scored three yeah. or more in, ev- in every game. So maybe he's, he's, he's addressed what the, the right balance is depending on the, the opposition. Um, I'm a little bit surprised at the, the prices here, to be honest, because... In the home game, PSG were like 1.85. We we backed them at, and as you say, they they were clearly the better team, and Milan offered offered very little. Um, so in the away in this away game now, PSG are six to five, and that kind of makes sense based on the fact that PSG were were 1.85 in the first leg. But in my mind, like there needs to be some like rating like recount basically that PSG are a lot better than Milan or Milan are all are worse than than uh, PSG. So I think PSG should be shorter. I was expecting to see PSG around the even money mark. Um so I'm kinda happy to to back them again or basically I, I think in the first leg I was very, very anti Milan and I'm kind of happy to to continue to do that to be honest. Uh, it's only four wins and eleven now uh, for Milan and, and in that previous game uh PSG dominated at sixty two percent possession. Um, they're averaging 70% in Liga. So this clear, clear plan from Luis Enrique to absolutely dominate games. Um, PSG created three big chances and restricted Milan to, to very little. And now under Pioli, um, they've won just six of 21 Champions League games. Milan are, are two to one here. There's surely nobody out there that's back in Milan in any way, shape or form. Um, they scored well, just useless tw- against Udinese at the weekend. Really, yeah, just, really. I, I don't think he knows what his best 
best team is. Um, I've, I said on the on the last week or two weeks ago, I was really, really uh, pleased with the business that they did um, in getting the likes of Chukwueze and Pulisic in, in a good value deals. And even if they don't work out, I think they can sort of get their money back and move on and, you know, make the next signing. And um, we've not, um, you know, if you think, think about somebody like, I'm not picking on him or anything, but it's a good example. Like Harry Maguire, you spend 80 million. It's very difficult to recap, to get that 80 million back and then get someone else in. Whereas the way Milan were, were buying players, I thought it would, it represented a good value for money and they could easily, um, sell them on and, and replace them with, with another sort of, uh, hot prospect. But I just don't think Pioli knows what his, what his best team is. Um, and yeah, in the Champions League, I think it's really being reflected because they're coming up against better quality. Um, on a on a regular basis, and I think we're seeing more of their sort of true form. I mean, they 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 haven't scored in their last five Champions League games, and it's only three goals in their last nine. And in my mind, that's no coincidence when you consider that a lot of those games are in this group of death, and were at the back end of the Champions League last season yeah. when they were made their run to the semi final. So when they're coming up against better quality, they're just massively, massively struggling. And um, they're only having the tenth most shots in Serie A this season as well. So. Again, they didn't do anything really in the, in the, uh, in the reverse fixture in terms of uh, chance, decent chance creation. So, yeah, and basically. Rafael Liao stinch at this level. We talk about Rafael Liao a lot and he's clearly a very, very good player. He was, when they won the Scudetto, he was the best player in the league, arguably, certainly got that award. Champions League record, I think he's scored twice, hasn't he? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what his record is, but. I don't want to jump on him too much. He's still a young, fairly young player. And and as I say, if uh, perhaps Milan aren't tactically setting up to get the the best out of him, then, then maybe he's, he's suffering a bit in terms of isolation. Um, so I, I wouldn't want to maybe draw too many uh, to conclusions. But as you say, he's clearly their best player. So uh, yeah, I just... It's a symptom, isn't it? If they're, if they're struggling and he's clearly sparkling in Serie A most of the time, not always, but most of the time, and yet he's got two goals in the Champions League for them, that's got to be a concern, hasn't it? Because as you say, they're either he's either not hitting the mark at that level or they're not allowing him, they're not creating an environment in which he can do it. Yeah, maybe we should also give the, the opposition perhaps some credit for you know locking him down or isolating yeah. him. Um, definitely worth noting that um, a lot of uh, Milan um, teams that they play, the opposition right back uh, picks up yellow cards on a regular basis. So they might be getting stuck into him um, early and that sort of maybe he goes into a shell or, or something. But um yeah. Yeah, I just think basically the beauty of this of uh, the odd tier means that we can back PSG minus a quarter around about even. So if it does finish in a draw, you still get half your state back. And yeah, I just think that's a very, very good proactive bet. Um, I had another player-related bet, actually. Um, I think you've uh, mentioned him already this season. Um, Warren Zare-Emery. No, oh, what no relation, yes. no relation to Unai, as far as I'm aware. No, absolutely not. As, as, as um, far as we know, as far as we know. <laughs> who knows? I mean, obviously, Emery was at PSG as manager for a period of time, but I think that might just be a coincidence. Not um, that long ago, though, to be fair. <laughs> but um, no, I really, I really like the look of uh, look him in this uh, PSG midfield this season. I, I'd go as far to say as I think potentially their best central midfielder they've got, and he's only 18. Um, and he's already got the, he's, he's the leader for assists in the Champions League this season. He's got, uh, and then overall, he's got two goals and five assists. Um, but I really like the way he just drives forward from midfield. Yeah. And, and he's then, built like a tank as well. 
yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just, uh, it's just lovely to watch, to be honest. Um, and then when he drives from midfield, he's got this front three to to feed. So the bet I like is um, Zer Emery to score or assist at three to one. And I think you're getting like a really nice angle there. Um, as I say, two goals and five assists across uh, all competitions this season. This bet has won in six of his last 10 games and he got two assists against Milan in the reverse fixture. So I'd sort of be happy-ish to maybe back him just to get an assist at three to one. But the fact you get the score um, option on side as well, I just thought that was a, a really nice uh, way in uh, to, to what I think will be a very one-sided match. Manchester City have won all three of their group games. They've scored three goals in each victory. Mark O'Hare, even without Erling Haaland, potentially, they're going to shred young boys, aren't they? You would expect so, yeah. Um, I'll keep it fairly simple, but I'm going back to a selection that didn't land on match day one, but I backed it against Red Star Belgrade. We've had a goal short. I'm going to do so again with or without Erling Haaland. That's Man City in the correct score market to win by any other score. Um, you're effectively backing... Man City to score four goals and beat Young Boys and the price is 2.46. Uh, I fully expect them to win this game comfortably. Uh, small samples, of course, but Young Boys have played three Champions League games. They've conceded three goals uh, home to both Leipzig and Manchester City. They also shipped two goals away at Red Star. So I think City to score four or more isn't that far-fetched, really. And if you look at the finer details, actually, of Young Boys' three games so far, they've already faced the second most shots, the joint most shots on target, and the second highest expected goals figure after three rounds of group stage action. So they're giving up 3.2 expected goals per game, 22 shots and 10.6 shots on target per game as averages, you know, after just three matches, two of which were at home uh, against uh, Man City and, and, and Leipzig. So, yeah, it's quite a, a concerning uh, state of affairs really going to the Etihad. But, you know, even if you look at their domestic um, numbers, uh, they are topping the table in the Swiss Super League. But away from home, they're actually returning a negative process in terms of expected goals, shots, shots in the box. They're giving up nine shots in the box per game away from home in the Swiss Super League, which, you know, if you do that at the Etihad against Man City, where you've got the likes of Doku, potentially Grealish, Bernardo Silva in the form he's in, Foden and Alvarez, uh, you know, it's, it's stuff and nightmares, really. And, and just on Man City, across the last eight home Champions League matches, which obviously straddles the knockout stage last season, as well as the, the start of this term, uh, they've scored three or more goals in seven of those last eight Champions League home fixtures. They've managed four or more in half of them. And that sample includes two matches against Real Madrid, Dortmund, Sevilla, Leipzig and Bayern Munich. They're coming up against young boys. So you can back City to win and over three and a half goals, which is evens. But I think the, the smarter selection here is to go to the correct score market, back Man City to win by any other score. City needs to score four goals or more and win the game. And you get paid out at 2.46. Do we know what Alvarez is to score? It feels like a Manchester City to win. Uh, Alvarez yeah. to score. Is he like 1.3 or something? <laughs> like yeah. I think it's 4 to 6 on the sports book. So, um, yeah, it'll probably be odds on still okay. on, this, on the exchange. Okay, I might be looking at an Alvarez to score, City to win, chuck a few corners in. Uh, I, sh I should go off and do that one in my own time, but that's the way I would be leaning in that game. Uh, Inter, to me, look the best team in Italy right now, uh, by quite a distance, actually. They're looking good in the Champions League too. Stinch, how are they going to get on in Salzburg? Because to me, they look as if they've got most of the bases covered at the moment. Yeah, they're ticking along quite nicely. Nice victory against uh, Atalanta there at the weekend. And um, 
and obviously come into this uh, joint joint top of the Champions League group. But uh, it's not the the match odds that I'm going to try and predict what's what's going to happen. Into already quite short sort of reflects what you, what you said there. They're four to seven away in Salzburg. Um, over two and a half goals is four to six. So essentially, market is is envisaging a similar scoreline to to the previous game a 2-1 into victory kind of thing um with with the the market having Salzburg in for around one goal I want to back a player here that I think is a little bit overpriced um Oscar Glauk that plays for yes. uh, Salzburg he um player. He's, well, I'm glad to hear you say that, Kev, because obviously I don't know much about him, but um, just having a look at him statistically, um, he's uh, he's playing in that number 10 role just behind the, the striker and he's got four goals in <clears throat> in 12 games this season and he's also scored away at Benfica. He scored away against Inter in the reverse game. So it's a clearly performing on the big stage. Um, he had three shots away to Inter, which is the most of any Salzburg player and two came inside the box. So in that number 10 position, he's, he's capable of getting into into the good areas against good teams and he's only 19. So I think he's he's obviously got a, a big ceiling. Um, Salzburg paid yeah. 7 million for him in January and when he was just 18. So they clearly rate him and I think we know what the the Salzburg scouts, how good they are, the you know, the amount of talent that's come through that football team in the last sort of ten years. So yeah, well, he was I good think, for um, Israel's under twenty ones. I think he's played really well at youth level for Israel, and and that kind of you know marked him out as well as a player who could deal with you know international football. So yeah, he looks superb so far. Yeah, he's got a couple of goals for the national team as well. I think away against both Romania and Belarus. Um, so. You know, seems to be very quick to adjust to life yeah. at a, a decent level. He's six to one to score any time, so I think that's that's quite big. And uh, obviously, um, have a bit of fun and back in school two or more at seventy four to one as well. Why not? Real Madrid have been racking up the wins in the Champions League, even if it hasn't always been convincing. But Mark, you'd feel they've had a great chance of making progress against Braga, who've been a bit hit and miss. They managed to get that ridiculous comeback win in Berlin, but they look slightly below the level required, don't they? Yeah, I've enjoyed them. Um, I think Braga yeah, they're been... fun. They're wild. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Um, I, I've enjoyed them. I, I think they've been all right in this group. Um, they kind of dismissed before the tournament started as no hopers with, with Napoli and Real Madrid in this group. And, and that's understandable. Um, they've lost to both teams already, but only by one goal margins. So they've scored in each match and, and made a game of it. And yeah, they were slightly fortuitous to win away at Union 3-2. Uh, back on match day two, um, they've been great fun to follow. And, and unbelievably... So far this season, both teams to score has now banked in every single one of Braga's Portuguese Primera matches, as well as the Champions League group games. So that's wow. 15 matches now, which have seen BTTS land, including on Saturday when they fell 1-0 behind a home to Porto Menense, uh, but before smashing them 6-1 at the quarry. Um, but yeah, in terms of this match, uh, obviously a much tougher task to go to the, the Bernabeu and, and get a result. But I think they'll be encouraged by... Their performance in the reverse game uh, on match day three, um, losing 2-1 didn't really do them justice. So I, I felt, you know, they, they won the shots on, shots in the box count, 13-6. They won the XG count, 1.54 to, to 0.88. Um, and they're also really offensive against Napoli uh, when losing by the same scoreline. They had 12 shots in the box, produced an XG tally of 1.4. Now, obviously, both of those fixtures were at the quarry, uh, much different task to go to Madrid and, and put in the same performance. But... You know, Madrid, um, 12 wins from their last 15 across all comps, but held at home by Rio at the weekend. They should have won that game quite comfortably based on the balance of play. 
Jude Bellingham picked up an injury in that game, played on. Uh, now, Ancelotti has said that uh, there is a problem. He will be going for tests, so we don't know the extent of that at the minute. But that's something to look out for. This match is on Wednesday. Um, if Bellingham's not involved, that could be a bit of a blow for Madrid because he has played a leading role in about 45% of their overall goal tally this season. Uh, wow. Been a complete revelation. Um so if he is missing, that, that gives Braga a, an extra opportunity here. And, and they'll also be encouraged by Union uh, going to the Bernabeu and sort of holding out for 90-odd for minutes. Sure, it was one-way traffic, but even still, Madrid weren't able to sort of cut loose as they weren't able against Rio and haven't done often this season, actually. Um, Real Madrid have only won by a three-goal margin uh, three times across all games this season. So there's two angles I did quite like the look of here. One is Braga plus two on the Asian handicap at 185, which looks quite interesting. Madrid need to win by three or more to see that bet lose. And I think Braga's goal threat means, obviously, should they score, Madrid need to score four goals or more to see that bet lose. And, and if Braga do score, obviously, the BTTS option looks very handy as well. Uh, 1.85 for each of those two selections, which will be backing both individually. Um, as I say, Braga have seen BTTS in all 15 league and Champions League group games so far this season. So uh, I don't think they're in, well, they will come up to, they will head to Madrid and play and, and attack them. So um, yeah, normally good fun to follow. Celtic face probably the toughest test of their group as they visit Atletico Madrid. Um, it's fair to say the first game between them saw a few tempers flare. Yeah, what a surprise. Uh, Diego, <laughs> Diego Simeone in a handshake controversy and an Argentinian lunatic like Rodrigo Grupal getting sent off. Like, what a yeah. But um, it's quite interesting. I've just been, been following Atletico quite closely this year. And this looks like one of Simeone's, I think, best Atletico teams in the post kind of Godin kind of era and, and that kind of great team that kind of won the Spanish league and and kind of went close for the, went, went kind of agonizingly close to the Champions League. Like twice. they kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah like the, it could have, yeah, I guess I was, I was yeah, exactly twice. Yeah, I was, I was thinking of that, the Sergio Ramos goal there. But yeah, like the, I think they're the, the kind of just their attacking output and their expected goals numbers is kind of, on, they're on the level with Barcelona, Real Madrid. Like last season, by the XG, they were the fourth best team in Spain behind Sociedad, and they like they weren't they weren't they didn't sniff the, kind of the top of the La Liga table. Whereas this season, they look like a legitimate La Liga contender, and and, and, and just kind of the, with, with that strike force of Griezmann and Morata really firing. I think at, in the in this in the in the first in in this uh, fixture at Celtic Park, I think maybe Mark Stinch come tip them up, and I backed them myself. So I was kind of watching the game closely and like Atletico absolutely battered Celtic they had 15 shots to Celtic's five they'd kind of dominate on the expected goals and Celtic's only period of ascendancy came when DePaul was sent off in the last 10 minutes I think there's just a major gulf in class between these sides and I expect Atletico to be even more dominant at the Wanda here and I think a kind of just if you getting them here getting the the minus one handicap at 183 looks value I think in previous years you kind of maybe be worried about Atletico being being kind of that team that just grinds out the wins by one by one more what are more by, by one goal but I think that this year they're a more potent attacking side and I think they can beat beat Celtic comfortably here Mark this is part of a double that you want to draw attention to right yeah um I completely agree with them Atletico should win this game um suffered that surprise defeat at Las Palmas on Friday night and, and Simeone was heavily criticized in the Spanish press for his substitutes in that match but uh, I think back at the Metropolitano they should be 
on it. They've won six from six at home so far this season. They've scored twice or more in all six. They've scored three goals or more in four of those six games. And going forward, Griezmann and, and Morata in fantastic form together. And I think Samuel Lino is due back uh, or potentially due back as well, a left wing back, and he'll be a, a big plus because they've struggled in that position without him. Uh, yeah, Atleti were the better team and in Glasgow and, and Celtic traditionally quite poor on their travels too. And, you know, while Celtic won quite comfortably in the end uh, at Ross County, they were playing against 10 men for about 80 minutes on Saturday in, in the driving rain. And, you know, it took a, a couple of special goals from outside the box really to break down Ross County. So uh, going forward, they've not been at their best under Brendan Rodgers just yet. And if you look at the first three match days of the Champions League, Celtic have had the fewest shots and the lowest expected goals output too. So not ideal going to Atletico. Uh, expect a home win there. And yeah, I'm going to double it up with um, Napoli to beat Union. Uh, gives us a, a double of just shy of even money, 1.95, which I think is a really tasty price. Um, yeah, I've given Union or gave Union the benefit of the doubt, I think, a fortnight ago. Um, I can't remember who they were going into play at the weekend, but it's now 12 defeats on the spin across all competitions, and it's pretty hard to defend them after a bit of a no-show against... 13 France. now by now. Is it? Maybe okay. 13. Blimey. Yes. Um, yeah, the weekend... Three nil. Put it that way. Whatever it is, it's awful. Shocking stuff. And the weekend, they... they they weren't especially bad against Eintracht Frankfurt, but the opportunities they gave away and conceded goals from were were horrifying, really. Not the kind of standard you expect from, from Union over the last uh, year or two, really. Um, and obviously there's some suggestions behind the scenes of players revolting and, and fallouts as well. It's all kind of disintegrating quite badly at the minute, which is really quite sad. And, and they failed to score in the last five games, including the reverse against Napoli, which was a, a completely dead game, really. They only conceded six shots and still managed to lose the match against Napoli, now having to go to the, the Maradona, really, where Napoli traditionally are, are very strong. They've won nine of 14 home Champions League games, losing just once in that sample. That was to Real Madrid. So, you know... Um, Union only lost uh, 1-0 at Madrid on match day one, but they lost the shot count 32-4 that night. Uh, they uh, gave up almost four expected goals in that match. And I think Napoli, even without Osman, will um, be too good for them. So, yeah, Union to win. Sorry, Union to win. <laughs> Napoli to win. <laughs> yes. And Atletico Madrid to win. <laughs> uh, why on God's green earth would I take on Marco Hare in a stats competition? He's right. It is 12 in a row, not 13. I had it in my head that it will be 13 when they lose in Naples. So he's absolutely right. Um, I'm glad they're sticking with the Wuss Fisher, but it is becoming uh, a what is, massive, what, massive mess. You might know more about the, there are sort of these rumours about discontent behind the scenes. Is it players against the coach or what is it? Well, Fofana, who's on loan from Chelsea, got given uh, an internal suspension of a couple of games because uh, he refused to shake Urs Fischer's hands. The stuff about Bonucci, Fischer has come out and said isn't true, said it's the total opposite, says that Bonucci has been really helpful and hasn't been kicking off. Yeah, so I I think there there is a, it's the first time it's happened to this group of players. You know, it's not the first time it's happened to Union, of course, but it's the first time it's happened to this group of players. And now it's about how they deal with it. And at the moment, all of the good things that they brought to the table, the work rate, the organisation has all completely gone out of the window. So it is not a good position. Elsewhere in the section, Lazio face Feyenoord. Mark, I cannot get a handle on Lazio at all. I don't understand them. Sometimes they're great when you don't expect them to be. Sometimes they're trash when you think they're going to be good. Uh, but they were totally outplayed, weren't they, in Rotterdam? 
a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, they, they were. Um, and uh, I'm not sure who kind of recommended a, a pro Lazio position, but I was sort of willing it on as well. Uh, from my own sort of private, it didn't make my own shortlist for the show, but I was very much in the agreement uh, with us sort of suggesting that Feyenoord were but drastically kind of overrated going into that match, but they absolutely weren't when you watched the game, they were, they were terrific. And, and this group has been one of the most fun actually to follow in the Champions League so far. Uh, if you look at the six games, all of them have featured at least two goals. Four of the six group games have featured over two and a half goals. Half have gone over three and a half and five or six have seen both teams to score. Uh, now Lazio have scored and conceded in every game. Final have scored at least twice in every game. Uh, as you say, the reverse ended 3-1 to Final. Um, expecting something similar here in terms of a, a goal output and I'm surprised that we can get over to enough goals at 177. Um, Lazio need to start taking a bit of a, a sort of more front foot approach here if they've got designs to qualify uh, with Atletico playing um, Celtic in the other group game. Uh, Feyenoord could in theory take a, a more a pragmatic approach but it's just not really in their DNA to do that and as we saw when they went to Atletico on match day two they scored two first half goals and, and really kind of um, scared Atletico that night so yeah in the reverse I thought Feyenoord were terrific uh, Calvin Stengs in particular uh, he created seven chances that night and they had 10 shots in the box an XG of, of 2.1 but Lazio themselves generated 1.55 expected goals outside of the penalty that Pedro converted and and that's kind of been the way between these two teams so far. If we look at their matches so far, uh, they're averaging around 2.75 expected goals, excluding penalties. Now, Lazio just never keep clean sheets in the Champions League. The last nine in this competition have seen BTTS land. Domestically, they have improved a little bit, but in terms of trying to kind of understand them, now this kind of goes out the window based on what they did in final, but I think we see the best of Lazio when they play teams who do come out and try and attack them. They've struggled to kind of penetrate deep line defences, but look at the domestic matches against Atalanta, Sassuolo, Fiorentina. That's where Lazio have really impressed. So there is hope for them here, I think. Fine order are traditionally pretty terrible on their travels in the Champions League. But going forward, they they pack a real punch, don't they, with, with Jimenez leading the line, Stengs creating. Yeah. Um, and they have actually conceded in four of six away Eredivisie games and they shipped three at Atletico. So I would back Lazio to breach that defence, uh, but I think final can also grab a goal or two themselves. So, you know, both teams to score should be a big runner, as the market suggests, but um, over two and a half goals at 177. That's my selection. Overall, 31 of 48 group stage games in the Champions League have gone over. Uh, that's a 65% hit rate, and I think this match definitely falls within that range. Betfair's offering a completely free ACA on all football this weekend. You can claim your free bet on our sports book from this Thursday. T's and C's apply 18 plus begambleaware.org. Finally, in the Champions League, we've got a clash between Porto and the Belgian champions Antwerp. Emma, it's fair to say that Antwerp have been found wanting at this level. They've not been very good. No, <clears throat> it would need to be Sherlock Holmes to work out my bet here. As you said, <laughs> they've kind of <clears throat> Antwerp sit six in the Belgian league. They've conceded twelve goals in their three Champions League matches. They just look, yeah, like definitely one of the one of the worst teams, if not the worst team in the tournament. And where Porto have been a little kind of inconsistent in the league, they've only scored thirteen goals in in ten league matches, and they did lose to kind of lowly uh, Estrella at the weekend. I do think they are a pretty good team, who were like who were very competitive for Barcelona at home earlier in the group stages. And they comfortably beat Antwerp 4-1 in Belgium and 3-1 against Shakhtar in Ukraine. 
like again, it's kind of it's just it's 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 more uh, more anti Antwerp here than pro Porto, and just I think getting Porto minus one of the evens here looks looks a bit of value. I just think they're they're up against they're, are, are, are a really poor side. I think Porto will will do their usual thing of kind of probably get to the last sixteen and uh, and be kind of a easy prey for one of the one of the kind of the, the Champions League Champions League's bigger fishes. But I, I, I like them to get I like them to get the win fairly comfortably here. In the Europa League, Brighton made short work of struggling Ajax on the south coast. Stinch, are they going to do it again in Amsterdam? They might, but I don't think they should be 1.85 to win away at Ajax. Um, oh, it's absolutely nuts, isn't it? I mean, yeah. I know I keep saying this, but if you said to a Brighton fan even a year ago, yeah, you're going to go to um, going to go to Amsterdam and play Ajax in Europe, and you're going to be odds on to win the game. Yeah, so you completely lost the plot. I mean, I think they were one twenty-seven in the in the home game. Um, so it's just it's just bonkers. And and this weekend they play Sheffield United. They're they're one twenty-five. So what Ajax are the same level as Sheffield United? Is is that what we're saying? I I don't think I don't think I can agree with we're that. Red and white. That's about it, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, Brighton. We we talk obviously very. Um, uh, admirably about how good Brighton are, how fantastic they are. They've only won one game in eight. Like they are good, but don't get me wrong, they they don't pick up three points regularly enough to justify the odds. I think that they're they're going off at. Um, we know Ajax have have got issues, um, but I feel like maybe the ship has been steadied. Ah, oh, do you like that? The ship has been steadied because Ajax Very have good. appointed Very John good. John Van Ship. A week ago, um, on a deal until the end of the season, um, former player. Uh, I think he was um, from reading up about him. I think he was uh, heavily involved with uh, with Cruyff during the during during the time yeah. uh, as both a player and a coach. And also, I think he was assistant to Van Basten as well. So he's always sort of been on on the periphery around both uh, the the team and and the national team. Um, but his coaching record isn't really anything to write home about. So I'm not going to suggest that he's the answer. Um, the plan is for him to move upstairs at the end of the season anyway. So I think everyone accepts that he's he's not the answer anyway. Um, but he has started positive, positively, two wins out of two. Um, I don't think Ajax could have got any worse, put it that way. Um, but I did think it was interesting in both games. Ajax have been backed in during the run-up to the game. Um, so basically, I think that what that says is because of the the poor form, um, the odds have been increasing. But I think what the market is saying, that Ajax essentially aren't as bad as their league position suggests. And I think, obviously, we probably agree with that if you look at the, the calibre of players that they have. Um, but with Brighton, I just think there's something... Not quite right uh, at the moment. Back-to-back 1-1 draws with with Fulham and Everton doesn't inspire me. Um, they had 80% possession away at Everton at the weekend, but just seven shots, um, which says, you know, they're not quite perhaps finding the, the passes. I have to say, he does tinker with the team quite a lot, doesn't he, Deserby, both formation-wise and, and positionally. Um, I know they've got a few issues with the fact that um, they're well back and CISO. March and and Estepinion, which is I think is causing some issues, particularly at left back. Pascal Gross played there on Saturday, but uh, you're not getting the best out of him, who who does offer a lot going forward. You know, that was the real one of the reasons they picked him up. Um, was it Darmstadt that that Gross made his name at? Um, it was, well, it was Ingolstadt. He was at Ingolstadt at one that stage, was it, yeah. yeah. 
Um, and he wasn't really um, lighting up any uh, uh, stat pages in terms of like goals and assists, but his, his underlying passing metrics are very, very good. And that's what made Brighton go for him. So I feel like he's been um, wasted a little bit playing out of position. And it's just one clean sheet, Brighton, in 15 this season. Okay, that was in the reverse fixture. But uh, I think Ajax have probably got a bit of confidence back with those two wins. And, and Brighton away from home this season, they conceded 14 in just seven games. So, yeah, I'm going to lay Brighton here at 1.85. That's all we have time for on this European edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Remember, all of our shows are on Betfair's new YouTube channel for non-racing content. So make sure you like and subscribe. Our usual weekend previews will be coming up in just a few days' time. From Stinch, from Mark, from Emmett and from me, it's goodbye for now.